Hello, hello everyone. Uh, so I guess Happy New Year 2022. So I didn't prepare anything <laughs> in what I'm going to say. And on top of that, I have a COVID, COVID voice. Um, but yeah, I, I was thinking that I learned so much through interviewing, you know, all these people in 2021, but uh, from the start of Lifeline. And yeah, I was like, okay, let's try to do some reflection of all the lessons learned from interviewing 35, 36 people so far. And I thought about so many things that I, I could do, but uh, yeah, well, I think one format, I mean, not one format, well, one thing I really want to share about is the concept of trust. Uh, it's something that came back many, many times when speaking with guests. Um, so yeah, you might have noticed, but one key thing for me to unfold and really discover is how do my guests, you know, transform themselves from a state where they are a person, they might care or not about some social and environmental issues to they care, they take action, individual action, they take more individual actions and they take collective actions and they, you know, just start to build communities, inspire their communities, do things that are much bigger than ourselves. So for me, I'm really interested in understanding, okay, what are, how did they get empowered? How did they reconnect with their power of action? How do they manage to do that with so many people? So for me, that's the key thing. And maybe one topic that, thanks to Linka in episode 25, I managed to put words on it, trust. Um, you know, like with Linka, episode 25, it's called like the power of genuinely trusting people. And we spoke about trust, the power of when someone trusts you to do something. And even yourself, you didn't trust yourself that you could do it and this has the power of you know uh, making yourself you know more confident uh, making yourself accountable for the person who trusts you um, you know it gives you motivation that okay someone thinks I can do it I will try my best and you end up doing it because many times people don't trust you for nothing they genuinely trust you that you can do it right so and since she said that since Lika said that uh, you know it's something I really pay attention in each of the episodes but everyone actually they share stories of how for a particular project or actions they didn't trust themselves uh, and then someone came in really believed in them and you know it like so much change happened they connected to their inner power of action. So yeah, I wanted to <coughs> share a bit about trust, uh, not not just by myself, uh, but yeah, I, I came back to a few episodes where people share their trust so stories, uh, where people share how, you know, the transformational power of people trusting uh, you. And maybe just, you know, so the, that we are all on the same page. Um, 
I will just yeah, start by uh, putting a recording from Anne Lore, episode 5, uh, where she explains really, very well um, what does it mean, empowerment. And for me, until I discuss with Anne Lore, I, I couldn't really explain and put words on empowerment, but I, I think Anne Lore really does it super well. So listen to Anne Lore, and I'll, I'll be just right back. For me, like the common roots is everything that has to do with empowerment. So how do you reconnect anyone with his or her own power of action? So for young people, it can be, okay, I actually have the power to decide of my own life. For citizens, it can be, okay, as a group, we have the power to make something change. Or as any group, organization, team, and so on, it's okay together. We actually have the power of moving our organization forward or doing things differently or changing the way we are doing things. So for me, what is at the root of everything is really empowerment, individual and, and collective. Okay, so I hope... Uh, that you enjoyed it, listen to her episode if you want to know more about what she does to empower citizens but really, I really like the concept of reconnect with your own power of action as if you know, we have the power we have the agency but we lose it somehow and empowerment is how can you reconnect with it so that you can decide of your own life, you can take action for your own life And we'll see later, of course, you know, not everything depends on yourself. But already this mindset has a lot of potential. And when it comes with people around you who trust you, support you, then it has, you know, this is where like real empowerment happens. And yeah, before continuing, I have a lot of, you know, um, small recordings that I want to share through this special edition. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to thank everyone for, you know, listening to all the episodes, to all of those who send me regular feedback. This really is what motivates me the most, uh, keeps me going. Uh, so yeah, please continue. If you have any trust stories, uh, share with me. I would love to know more. And yeah, I think again, you know, uh, for 2022, I'm not too sure how Lifeline will evolve, but yeah, I will try my best, you know, to grow the listening base. Um, so yeah, please keep uh, keep listening, please keep giving me feedback. If you have any crazy ideas to you know improve Lifeline in any way, please let me know. Um, and yeah, as always, share any episode that you like with your friend it's really really helpful and in the end it's why I do Lifeline is to amplify the voices and the stories of all the change makers that I'm inviting so yeah just so that their message can be heard please share the episodes uh, with your friends uh, subscribe of course so you always get the latest episodes and uh, yeah so back to the topic um wanted to make you listen to the recording of uh, Linka. So episode 25, I mentioned it five times already in like uh, 10 minutes. Um, so yeah, let's listen to it and we'll continue after. 
you know, every time that we're given trust that we can do something before we actually do it, it's actually very, very scary, right? If I bring myself back to the first time I was on stage, you know, facilitating a startup weekend, I was so nervous. And then I don't know, like, if I will do well, I don't know what are people's expectations, things that in their heads that I can't control. And I also cannot control my feeling. And then also I, I remember in the early days when I just joined UNDP and everyone was like commenting, oh, she's from this world of startup. Uh, she's having this and that experience. So she can do this and that very, very well. So all these expectations is very, very heavy and it's very, very scary. Right. And, and I think before we finish it, we will always carry this fear. We'll always feel like we're not ready enough. We're always fear that we, we didn't consider everything well or didn't prepare enough. But then things will change the moment everything finished. It was like, oh, it's actually not that scary. It's not as complicated as I thought. Uh, I can actually do it. And I think all this transformative experience in our, in our head, that's where we know that it's not really that scary and we can actually do it. So I think a lot of movers actually share this with us that, you know, after the first workshop, they realize that, oh, they can actually do it. They can speak in front of a lot of people. It's actually not that scary. And all this fear in our heads automatically go away. So, yeah, I really, really love how she deconstructs uh, her fear. So we've been mentioning, you know, that trust has this potential to motivate you, to make you accountable, to push you forward a little bit. But of course, it's very, very scary because if you are still in this phase where you don't trust yourself, you know, uh, it's so difficult to 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 encourage yourself, uh, and it's things that you always think that you cannot do. And yeah, for me, this this particular moment is when I realized uh, we should trust each other. We should spread trust uh, among each other because it's really, I think, a thing that we don't speak a lot about, but it's really something that unlocks uh, so many things. Now, when Linka says that everyone just thinks that she will make it happen, from her background and she mentioned that she has imposter syndrome but you know since everyone is trusting her expecting her to make it happen she sort of have no choice <laughs> the, than to make it happen right and I think for me that's one aspect that I really like about the trust is the accountability aspect that that comes from it is okay People expect me that I will do make it happen. People really trust me that I will make the best out of it. So then, you know, you have this, I would say, positive pressure that, you know, okay, now I have to make it happen. And even if you are not ready, you will make yourself ready. You, you might do more research, you might do more preparation. But since there are people out there who trust you, You don't want to deceive them and yeah, you just want to live up to the expectations. And you know, I really love what Linka says, like 
once it happens and you just realize that okay it, it actually it was so easy um and yeah there were no reasons why I, I doubted myself why I, I didn't trust myself so yeah <laughs> I think it's a very common feeling you know we stress so much before something we want to give up then someone tells us no no just do it you will do it we do it and we're like why why were we scared um, so yeah I think that's uh, so important uh, another piece of recording that I wanted to share is with Michael episode uh, 34 35 um, but yeah Michael was such an inspiration to listen to it was so interesting his view on, on, on trust and how it himself he you know got empowered because his English teacher trusted him while no one else trusted him and not even himself so have a listen to Michael's testimony and we'll be right back you mentioned your, your English teacher was your role model um, why is that and you know what did the English teacher do to that you wanted to emulate well, the, you know, the main thing that she did was she saw good in me. I was a troublemaker at school. Um, I was always getting into fights or, or working out how to subvert the system. Um, and, and a lot of it was because I was unhappy at home. And, and you know, as a kid, you bring that to school. Um, and, and, and I didn't really feel that I fit in. I, I'd grown up in Sydney and, and here I was, and it was a tiny, tiny school, um, you know, there were 13 of us in grade 10 when, when I reached grade 10. That's how small the school was. And it only went to grade 10. Then I had to move to another school. So, I, you know, I was always in, in trouble. And, and a lot of my teachers thought I was just bad news. Um, I, don't think, I don't think my family thought that I, I would amount to very much. Uh, and, and, and yet he was this one person who really believed in me and showed me that she believed in me. Um, you know, she let me try things. I started a school newspaper um, and I was the, I was the managing editor of, of this little school newspaper that the, that the teacher herself typed up at night and, and um, formatted and everything, because this is before you had word and, and all of these programs. She, I think she did it on a typewriter. Um, and, and that really inspired me that, that that was all it took one person believing in me, showing me that they trusted me, that they knew I was capable, um, seeing beyond, you know, the exterior that I put up. And, and that led me to say, well, I want to be like that. And, you know, we do that in life. We, when, when someone inspires us, we say to ourselves, I want to be like that person. Um, and, and so I ended up heading off to university to, to become an English teacher English and ESL, so English as a second language. Wow, it's great how these two things, uh, I mean, it, like being inspired by your English teacher, and I really love it, the trust. I think it's such an important thing. In, maybe in a space where no one trusts you and maybe not even yourself, there is someone who's like, no, this guy, he can do so many things, and then it can just empower so much uh, someone. And really love how, I don't know, it's like 
you combine yeah, English teaching and then what you've been doing, teaching English with a Vietnamese student to make it your new dream to follow. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, jumping ahead to today, um, just, just before I got on this interview, I was, I was chatting with, um, I was having lunch actually with, with some of my, my team from Blue Dragon. And, and there's one boy, uh, we were talking about one of, one of the street kids. Uh, and he's a lovely, lovely kid. And we were actually talking about how lovely he is. And, and then one of the other staff who was there who knew him when he first came to Blue Dragon sort of had a bit of a laugh and pointed out that he wasn't like that when we first met him. Now, we've only known him for about six months. So I asked a bit more. And, and, and this is such a common thing. Very often when we meet kids for the first time, they, they've always been the troubled kids. And everyone, mm. everyone believes that they're bad. Their parents tell them, oh, you're no good. Their teachers might, might pick on them uh, and tell them, oh, you're, you're stupid. And, and then they end up on the street and maybe they're getting in trouble here, then we meet them. And, and, you know, sometimes in weeks, otherwise months, you see this turnaround in kids where for the first time they have people who believe in them. And, and it's just incredible. Sometimes then when we meet with their parents, the parents will be saying, oh, he's He's always dishonest. He's always running away. He's always stealing. And we'll be saying, no, you know, we've, we've had this kid in our care for months. He's never done any of that even one time. And, and you know, it makes me conclude, drawing on my experience as a child and what I see in Blue Dragon, that you get out of people what you expect. If, if you mm -hmm. meet someone and, and your expectation is this person's going to rip me off, this person's going to deceive me, then they probably will, or at least you'll believe that they will. And, and if you believe this is a good person and, and they're going to do their best for me, then there's a very good chance that they will. So I hope you enjoyed and yeah, really, really love just the fact that, um, you know, he got trusted while he was younger. Now he's the one with Blue Dragon trusting the other kids that he meets in the streets that you know they have this potential that they have this power of action that they might have lost for some reason and yeah they are here to give back this agency um, for young people and and yeah I think it's really really cool um, like maybe just for I mean if you haven't listened to Michael's episode yet but he I was a bit nervous when I invited him to be on Lifeline. Um, you know, like Blue Dragon is so big, Lifeline is so small. And the first thing that Michael says in the episode is like, you know, when I started Blue Dragon, I was reaching out to different NGOs. No one trusted me. No one trusted that I was going to do something or continue. Um, and then he told me, and I don't want to be the same. I want to trust people who come with cool, new, innovative projects. Uh, I want to be a supporter rather than someone who's not trusting. I want to trust. And it really struck me how you know he carries this trust forward over the years. Um, and yeah, I think it's really, really cool. Like, you know, the person who trusted him was the only person among you know what he said, like among everyone and his own family. Uh, that one person who saw the potential, who genuinely trusted, who saw his strengths rather than his weaknesses, 
who saw his uh, strength rather than his flaws and it's what you know changed everything it's what made him reconnect with his power of action um, and in the end it's she became his role model who he wanted to emulate and it was really, you know, this life-changing moment for him. Um, and, you know, then there is a ripple effect. Uh, that now, with Blue Dragon, they are trusting street kids. And I really love this example where sometimes you don't need that much. You just need one person at the right time to show you um, another angle. To show you that, yeah, there are still people out there who trust you, your potential, and you can make it happen, even though, you know, everyone else thinks you are trash or have no potential. Um, And yeah, I mean, we'll speak again a bit later, but it really comes down to seeing the potential, seeing the strengths from everyone, and really believing that everyone has its own potential and power of action. And really trusting that they will make the best uh, out of it. And again, another example that I want to share is with Ashley or Ishyang from episode 20. Um, and yeah, I really love it. She was sent to Sierra Leone, a country she doesn't know, to coordinate a team of volunteers who were all older than her and more experienced. And yeah. You, yeah, you will see the power of trust. We have like a team of 30 volunteers and I'm actually the youngest, but, but I need to coordinate everyone. And my boss actually gave me a lot of space. And even if I'm the youngest and like I did not really have any experience in like underground work with like post-disaster relief, but they believe me a lot. So that's how, you know, you feel that you have the ability to do something. And it's not restricted by your age, by your experience. So actually all the time I'm like so stressful and I wanted to cry. But then, you know, like my supervisor is like providing me companion and, you know, guidance. She's like, you can do it and just do it because you can do it. You know, just like some words of encouragement. So I'm able to like tell myself that, yeah, I can do it. It's it's okay. I can do it. I feel stressful at first, but, you know, like as days go by, everything went pretty well. Yeah, I think it went pretty well. (laughs) And I love uh, how it reflects on Linka's ideas as well, that you really... Because, you know, in the case of Michael, it's potential that he never thought about. He didn't really know what he would do in his future. He was super young, but in terms of Ashley, there was a specific goal, specific objective, right? A specific project that she thought she couldn't do. And and yeah, as Linka, you know, she was scared, she was crying, but in the end it it, it went perfectly well. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself 100 times, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I hope you can, you know, think about it. Um and it just makes me think I was listening to an interview um, I don't know like <laughs> who, when, why uh, but it was about I think like a wise <laughs> old man who was sharing that he never says to people that their ID 
sucks when people pitch ideas to him because I mean first thing is you know we always say the idea is just 1% execution is 99% but he went beyond that and to say um, you know when people come with uh, new ideas and they are passionate about it there is no point trusting them there is no point telling them that the idea sucks because um, it's already so difficult to find something that you are passionate about in this life <laughs> I mean there's, there's so many people who, who, who are on this quest of finding their purpose or their passion through their whole lifetime and they don't find it so when you find this something who are you to destroy it who are you to say to someone that their purpose their dream uh, doesn't work or sucks um, and the second thing I, I forgot <laughs> but this I guess what was the, that was the main point um, that you know if people are passionate about something uh, let them live their dream let them follow their purpose and yeah in the end trust them um and then that might unlock uh, so many things as with Linka, Ashley, Michael okay um, I wanted to say something I forgot uh, maybe it will come back anyway um, but yeah and I think for me this concept of empowerment through trust um, is very, very again, like you know when we read personal development books and I read a lot you know, many times we might fall into this thing where we might think that everything that happens to us is 100% dependent on what we do. Well, I think it's not so true. There's so many factors, like where you are born, your like social, economic, cultural capital, like how much money you have, etc., etc. That influences what kind of opportunities you are exposed to, what kind of studies you can do, what career you are exposed to and want to emulate. Um, and I think, you know, with this concept of trust, it, for me it really shows that even though, you know, many of these people have high agency, um, they take, you know, they... they they take action for themselves. But it didn't, ap like, miraculously, I don't know if it's a word, but it didn't appear, like, by magic, right? It's it's always the combination of their own agency, their own action, combined with the fact that other people were around to support them, to trust them. And for me, that's a... It paints a better reality of empowerment, that it's not 100% your from your own actions it's not 100% from outside factors but it's a mix it's a dense you know between your personal um, actions how you are going to look for opportunities how you are going to I don't know ha try to have an entrepreneurial mindset with the fact that people are there um, supporting you and that it's a necessity that you know we we 
support those who are less exposed to opportunities. Uh, but yeah, I, I <laughs> hope it makes sense. Uh, but yeah, it's a mix of both, and it's something I really realized when I interviewed Kelly. Episode, I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, Kelly Vaur from the Lin Center in Vietnam. Uh, and yeah, I think I really loved her story. Uh, basically, she was saying that, you know, she was born in this small alley in Ho Chi Minh City where she was not exposed to any role models, to any different car like any any decent career opportunities uh they struggle to go to school and what what changed is that one day uh she met a mentor which basically changed his, her life and she met him because she was just going to every event she could go to and she just happened to meet him at one of these events because she was you know, interested in, in climate, poverty, Mekong Delta, just trying to follow these keywords, and then she ended up meeting him. Um, but yeah, have a listen to, to her testimony. This is something very resonate with me, because that happened to my life, opportunity. I really strongly believe in opportunity, because, you know, I believe everybody have their own potential. You know, when I was a kid, when I was a young little girl in my alley, I had potential, but that not enough. Because even though you had potential, but if the environment around you were not supportive and there's not many people give you the opportunity to change your life, it didn't really help you to change your life. That's why I think even though we have potential, we still need other people at one point of our life to give it to us the opportunity for us to change our life and shine. So I had that because my mentor gave it to me. A lot of people gave it to me. The NGO gave it to me for me to volunteer with them. I want to give that opportunity to other people too when I can. It's about resources, right? You want to do good, but you need resources. So that's kind of thing that keep me really motivated. You know, if you come from an environment where you really need the opportunity, you will see how much it is important for you to have the opportunity That's why I feel it very resonated with me and close to my heart. So that's why everything I do, I will try to create opportunity for people or help them to get to the opportunity that they need. So my road lane is quite good because I'm doing that kind of connecting, you know, like a hub and connecting different people. And also with your community podcast, it's the same, you know, like I'm trying to bring this story out so people can listen to and they feel motivated, they feel inspired, they feel connected. And in the future, I want to also view the community so where people can, can also helping each other and connect with each other because I believe that we have to work together. We have to support each other, collaborate to actually uh, achieve something amazing. And also, you know, from this episode with Kelly, it really, I mean, it's something I've been thinking about for a long, long time, but uh, showed me the importance of role models you know, I always share this story to everyone that I'm so impressed by the youth in Bangladesh. You know, at least the ones that I meet through <laughs> Movers program and stuff. And if there is anyone listening, congrats. Um, but I don't know, I felt there is something different with the youth in Bangladesh compared to the youth I, I've met everywhere in the world where, I don't know, for some reason I find them... I don't know, much more active, social impact oriented, 
I know it's I don't know, but at least I, I met so many who are like you know twenty in their twenties, still at uni, but they have their social enterprise, their non profit. Uh, and for me, I found it like you know uh, it's not something common in in France, for example, or in other countries where I don't know if you are at uni, you will know, just focused on having good grades. Um, and yeah, for me, you know, I try to, to to understand. For me, one of the reasons, and it's something I would love to to speak more about, but it's like because everyone know, everyone knows Mohammed Yunus. He's been around for forty years. He's Peace Nobel Pride. He's for sure. He's rich. Uh, he's very exposed. He's very inspiring. He changed the life of so many people. Um, and I say rich because it, it shows that you can have social impact and make it viable, right? Uh, and for me, he's been around for two, three, four, like, wait, two, three generations, and it just shows, you know, he's a role model for all the youth in Bangladesh, um, for their parents as well. You know, if you are a youth and you say, I want to have a social enterprise, your parents might just say, oh, okay, yeah. I know what a social enterprise is. Mohammed Yunus did that. He might become as successful and impactful as Mohammed Yunus. Yeah, go for it, you know. While in many different countries where you say, yeah, I want to have social impact in my career, you know, it might be frowned upon by your friends, by your family, by the society, by the university where you are studying in, you know. Uh, because and for me it all comes down to role models in the society I'm sure, I, I don't know I, I, I want to try when I go to Bangladesh, you know, I go to the street and like, hey, do you know Muhammad Yunus? and I'm sure the answer is more than 90% okay, it's a random number but uh, <laughs> let's, let's I, I will ask people, but I feel like he's known by everyone and it's really, you know when Kelly speaks about growing up without role models, uh, and again, you know, role models can be, you know, like famous people like Mohammed, you know, it can be your parents, it can be your siblings, a friend, it can be anyone. But for me, it's so important, important to have role models that you can identify with, and then you want to be like them, like Michael with his English teacher. And for me, that's also a reason why. Uh, Lifeline exists, you know, is to um, to say just you know help people find their role models by listening to all the stories. You know, so many feedback I receive is, "Oh my God, uh, I want to be like uh, blah blah blah," or oh, "She's so inspiring. I learned so much from her." And I think it's so important that you identify people that you want to be like. It has nothing to do with trust, <laughs> but I think it's really, really empowering as well uh, to find someone that identify someone that okay, I want to be like them, and and yeah, it's um, if you uh, it's um, like in the like another piece of recording I want to share. Uh, it's uh, with Valentin episode two. And what I really like, it's 
about her story it's you know she she never thought that she could become herself an entrepreneur even less a social entrepreneur because for her the word entrepreneurship was um you know so far away from her she could not relate um because only entrepreneur that you know that people know uh, was Steve Jobs and yeah she doesn't relate to Steve Jobs you know um so but if you find role models you know who come from your hometown who went to the same school as you who come from your same country as you who want to have the same vision of the world and it's so empowering and um and yeah yeah just listen to uh, <laughs> the recording of Valentine and i really discovered a new universe for me i didn't know this ecosystem these people and i was very glad to meet people who believed in what they do every day mm-hmm. they just believe in themselves and in their actions they are not cynical about their work i was really yeah stunned by that and i also see that people were normal <laughs> like <laughs> social entrepreneurs were normal people and that is great because in my head there was Steve Jobs and only Steve Jobs so in my mind it was impossible to be an entrepreneur if you don't have a lot of technical background if you were not known mm-hmm. or something so that was great to meet some real people and people who were really authentic so i think this was a like a <laughs> I don't know. Like the aha moment. Exactly. Yeah. Et ça fait tilt, as we said in French. <laughs> so yeah, this this is <coughs> so sorry. This uh, piece of recording is very important for me because also shows that yeah, you know, sometimes you don't need this much to to have this aha moment to really, you know, turn around your brain and beliefs. Um, it can be trust, it can just be meeting people and realize that, oh, they do that. And you're not even at the role model level, but just people, normal people like you, who are doing what you always thought was impossible. And then you know, it just clicks, like, oh my God, if this person can do this, I, I can do it as well. Um... And and yeah, for me that's that's so important, and that's also, you know, the role of role models to show the way, uh, to be pioneers and show to the world that uh, this is possible. And yeah, it's one objective of Lifeline to really show that you know all these change makers I interview, they are pioneers and they yeah I. I they they show that it's possible to do this and that and um and yeah coming back to trust <laughs> which was the main purpose uh really show that these role models were built i mean not were the wrong uh, <laughs> wrong words but they you know they they managed to reconnect with their own power of action through trust They are like everyone, you know, they're not like superhero who who were born with amazing leadership skills. They're just people who have their own doubts, challenge like everyone else. And yeah, they 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 cross paths with nice people who trusted them, who themselves were trusted before. Uh, and I think that's that's 
uh, yeah, something uh, good to realize. But of course, you know, like I, 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 I say that as if it was uh, so easy. You have challenge. You don't know what to do. Okay, find a role model. Find trust. Uh, but yeah, of course, it's so challenging. And anyway, if you have listened to to one, two, three episodes, uh, you know that I mean they they struggle for for so long. Um, but yeah, coming back to you know this dance between your own agency and the trust of your environment. You know, sometimes it's difficult. And, and um, recently I interviewed Carla uh, from Philippines, episode 30. Oh, I'm becoming old. Uh, 33, I guess. Anyway. But yeah, for me, she was the epitome of entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, you know, really making things happen with the resource she has at hand. And I think that's, a, that's the best combination with receiving trust is uh, entrepreneurial mindset and yeah you know like Carla she was sharing all these stories how she you know that she, she loves to live outside of the box so she didn't want to get a university degree she lived uh, out like she moved out of her house uh, as a young uh, teenager which is not common in the Philippines, especially like 20 years ago. And yeah, she just worked her way up uh, without uni degree. She made it happen. Um, people trust ended up trusting her, but it took her a long time to, to you know build this trust. And it took a lot of entrepreneurial skills to build this trust as well and to make it happen. So yeah, like, like, like have a listen to Carla's uh, story. After I applied to be like a, a trainer there, they said like, you know, you did well with the interview, unfortunately, because you don't have a degree. And it just kind of like, kind of like got into my head. I was like, oh my gosh, this degree, like I am not going to let this stop me. And so I had nothing to lose. So I just told them that, okay, let's do it this way. It was a risk for me to do it, but I just had to do it because I wanted to show them that I can do it even without a degree. So I told the person who was interviewing me that there's a six-month probationary program, right? So hire me, give me the salary of an agent, but give me the work of the trainer. And the salary difference is huge. But I just wanted to prove a point that I can do this. And then I said that after six months, if I do not pass the trainer's evaluation, it's still okay for you because you can still hire me and continue with my salary as an agent. But if I pass the evaluation period, then you just need to adjust and you know switch my role to become a trainer. I said, it's a win-win situation for you. And that was a risk for me to, to say, but if I'm going to make this strategic move to enter this space, it was a global company. That's why I wanted to gain that you know, experience from them because I knew I was going to learn a lot. And 
And they hired me. And thank God, after six months, <laughs> I passed the evaluation. And I'm grateful for them giving me that opportunity to just jump in and for them for, you know, taking a chance on me. Yeah. And that's how everything just sort of like rolled into in opening different opportunities also. So yeah, yeah, you still think about this story many times, how, you know, she put herself at risk. Uh, but with high risk com, comes high rewards, right? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, for me, it really shows that it's, it's I mean, of course, it's not easy, but I feel like, you know, when the door is closed, go through the door lock, uh, there is always away and uh, I discovered the um, dragonfly story recently basically saying you know like a dragonfly when faced with an obstacle uh, it will try to go uh, you know on the right on the left up down but will never turn around Sorry, that's my <laughs> that's my COVID uh, cough. Um, so the dragonfly will never turn around. It will always go straight. Will find a way to go straight. And I think that this, this is the life of Carla. And this is really something we can learn from her. That um, you know how to develop our own agency. And yeah, I, I mean, I just said that you know trust is something. You know, difficult to build. How, like, you know, all of this raises the question: How do you build trust with people? And how do you build trust without, you know, putting yourself too much at risk? Either, you know, not everyone can afford to do that. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, uh, I know a little bit, but uh, I think one thing that. One sentence that you know really marked me was again from Anne Laura's episode. I think trust is something that takes time to build, and you need to meet people one time, two times, three times, ten times to see each other every day, and you start to build kind of connection of proximity, of friendship, and very slowly, like to really build trust. And yeah, if you have something to offer, even small, you voice it, and people start to. Yeah, start to invite you. Well, at least they started to invite me into their work. It reminds me of a very famous quote. <laughs> Ask for what you need and offer what you can. <laughs> Which is your favorite quote, yeah, I that's know. Yeah, my favorite quote. Yeah, but it's true. To really, yeah, to offer whatever you have to offer, but also to not to be afraid to say, hey, I have time, I have energy, I love your project. I think that you're someone that I appreciate to work with. So yeah, I would like to do this more. I think not to be afraid of actually saying this. And sometimes it doesn't end up with anything. And sometimes it's, once again, the right timing, the right person, the right project, and something can come out of it. So yeah, really, I really lo uh, <clears throat> so yeah, I really love her, well, philosophy. Um, trust doesn't happen overnight. It takes sometime you need to be patient you cannot go all in um, it's like dating I guess 
um, takes time, it takes multiple meetings, it takes time to see if you are aligned with the other person. And what I love is, you know, just offer something to help people. Then uh, they might invite you into their work, and that's how you start building trust. And, you know, like, I think it comes down to the intention of people, your own intention, where you want to do things. And it's something that people really can feel. And if you have good intention, then people will trust you. You know, so many times I receive uh, random LinkedIn messages of people who just want to take everything they can from me. Uh, you know, they just see my UNDP title and then they, they just try to extract everything they can. Um, but of course, I, I can see that like from 10 kilometers away. So uh, I just don't answer. <laughs> but um, while on the other hand, there are people uh, who might not have the same, you know, experience, status or whatever but they come with beautiful and very good intention. And these are the people that uh, I personally want to work with, collaborate with, support, and trust. Um, and yeah, I think... Um, like one one way as well to you know, force yourself to have good intentions or force yourself to build trust... I think it comes down to, I mean, if we see through the networking lens, I think many times people ask me, what is uh, what is your recipe for networking? You have so many connections, etc. I think for me, networking is the same as making friends. It's no different. So for me, my first objective is to make friends with people. I, I usually don't... Um, you know, I don't like for me the network is um, like if I want to work with people no wait if for me one criteria to work with people is okay whether I can be friends with them whether you know we could just go for a beer one on one and have a good chat and uh, yeah I think Amit uh, episode 26 it's something he loves doing make connection when you don't need the most in that way you meet people without any expectation and, and all make connections when you don't need the most from seven years i just made connections my mom my brother my family were amit layer stupid why do you go and meet someone at 3 a.m in the morning at a railway station on weekends you're not at home you're just meeting people you're just like meeting 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 what are you meeting for i just met them just i wanted to meet them wanted to learn so make connections when you don't need the most. I think it's a great advice that forces you not to be in a taker mode, in a taker mindset. And then you just focus on developing a relationship, developing a friendship without expectations. And you just get to know, you know, what drives you in life, what is your vision of the world. And that's how you can, you know, really work with someone and collaborate with someone and build this trust that you have good intentions, that you have the best for the other one in mind. Um, and ultimately, I think 
you know, it's it's about how you see people. Um, like, <laughs> do you want to be friends with everyone, or do you realize that? Um, because okay, wait. Like one one um, one quote from. Adam Grant that I really like so he's a he's a guy who wrote uh, Giver and Taker and um, he said he, he said okay I have one question to spot the takers during a job interview and he said ask them who do you think are three people that you help the most in their career And if the candidate only answers people who were their boss, manager, then this person is a taker. Because he only helps and supports people who are higher than him or her in the hierarchy. Uh, while givers will be the ones who say three people who are at equal level or lower level. Because they want to help them grow. And I think for me that's really interesting. Um to really see everyone on equal level and comes back to what Amit said about you know just developing relationship without expectations um, and yeah one thing that marked me as well was my interview with uh, Shunsuke episode 24 so photographer and footballer and um, he was telling me about his values and about he, like why he takes photos So most of the artists or photographers are mm. having such kind of philosophy. Basically saying, I want to find the values in our everyday life. Mainly the people who are not in mainstream. The kids selling the food for pigeons on the riverside. Mm. Most of the people don't like them. And they are annoying. They are just begging for food for pigeons it's fine they have to live and very common have you ever talked with them I want to ask most of the people living here I think most of the people don't talk with them even don't talk to them actually I'm really interested in those kids and hanging out with them and taking photos and uh, print out mm. and uh, pass it them and they remember me also ah Take is coming Take is coming hey taking photo of me <laughs> now we are some kind of a friends but not so many people interested in those kinds of interaction with the how to say poor background people I don't care those kinds of poor or rich or CEO or homeless people mm. I'm talking equally to the people I want to be equal to the everybody and I want to act or treat everybody equally so yeah I want to stand by the people more than rich and strong and the people in power they don't need that <laughs> I want to stand by those kinds of vulnerable people so I think yeah that's a great example um But yeah, just to come back, you know, like Anlor was speaking about contributing what you can. Um, and yeah, I think another <laughs> thing that I always share throughout the episode, but you know, anyway, the best way to build trust 
is by helping people and showing your worth and showing how you can help everyone achieve their dream. Then they will see how you work, they will see what values you have, they will see what drives you in life. Uh, and Yama says it so well, Yama from episode 3 people ask me what's the best practice for networking i think it's to be very open-minded and very much willing to give rather than take right so great networkers are people who are willing to give and share and pay forward like okay i'm always interested in what drives people what are they looking for what's their problem how can i solve their problem and in this way i think you can get ahead you know pay forward help people and that's i think the trick you need to solve people's problems and be humble so yeah you know, um, identify what people are passionate about, what problem people face, and just be in a how can I help mindset? How can you solve that problem? And it's this way, you know, for me that's um, how you actually build trust with people, is when you have their best interest in mind. Uh, when you genuinely want to support them. Um, and of course, you know, like, uh, you might think, oh, but I cannot help everyone around me. I cannot, um, I cannot, uh, you know, like I don't have time or like whatever. So to this, I have, and it will be the last piece of recording for this special edition. I think it's been a long time already. Um, but yeah, from David. So the first interview, which was uh, recorded on video, so have a look at, uh, on YouTube if you haven't watched it yet. But uh, yeah, David, what struck me with David is he's always helping out people, like producing pro bono videos for, for like, like so many people. And it just, you know, making a video demands so much time. Uh, so I was asking him, you know, like how do you like do you make videos for everyone how do you choose like what is your philosophy so yeah enjoy some people say maybe i'm too too kind <laughs> i'm too nice yeah i think yes, he is. <laughs> so, 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 some people told me that maybe it's a bit dangerous because i'm too nice and i i can't say no you know sometimes and i i don't know i think it's a mix of when it comes with a very good intention you know with a very good vibe for example, with you, you know, and I knew because you're you're a very good friend for me, you know, and I knew you you were struggling, you know, making a video, and uh, for me it was like I I wanted to make it. I think just because it's a mix of because I love making films, a mix of because I wanted to help you, and a mix because if I wanted to discover again Vietnam, you know, all the things like this, and I also here like um, I was helping like they were a group of kids, they have like a, a dancing crew, you know, and they just asked me if um, I could help them making a video, you know, and I, and I said, yes, I don't know why, because I, I think I saw myself in them, like I saw myself in you, you know, struggling before, and I, I, I wanted to be, in a way, I wanted to be the person that I, I dreamed to meet, you know, someone mm. who can help me, and also because this person I dreamed to meet, I also met when I was younger, when I was learning, I always had like a teacher, or I always had like someone who came and who gave me a big gift, you know, so so big. I was so embarrassed, you know, uh, how to say thank you. And they just they they just told me it doesn't matter, just mm. enjoy and just pursue your career, you know. 
you know, like uh, Clint Eastwood and like a cowboy, you know, they just, they just say, yeah, yeah, <laughs> never mind, just, just go, you know. <laughs> and I think they inspired me, and that's why I, I also want to be this cowboy, you know, this kind of pirate mm-hmm. cowboy. I just come somewhere, uh, I help because I like people. And then when it's done, I just I just go with my horse. Hey, goodbye. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> you know, I think I have this kind of spirit. And I think it's a perfect testimony to close the loop, close this reflection. Uh, you know, with Michael, we mentioned about when you receive trust early on, and then you are the one giving trust later on. I think, like what David says, so many people trusted him, supported him when he was younger and an aspiring filmmaker. Now it's his no, responsibility to help the next generation. He said he saw himself in me while I was struggling to make my video. Um, and yeah, like, you know, how can you, how can we all develop this cowboy mindset? Um, And, you know, pay it forward. In the end, it's what uh, Yama said, what David is doing, what everyone who just shared today is doing, is to pay it forward. Um, It's giving back everything that we have received from other people that allowed us to reconnect with our own power of action and just to help the, the people around us, trust them, to reconnect with their own power of action and do good things with it. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I will stop speaking. Uh, I hope it made sense. I'm not so sure. But yeah, I just wanted to... I don't know, I always thought about putting together, you know, different parts of many different episodes... And I thought doing this around the concept of trust will be a good uh, start to try it out uh, because it's such a recurring topic, a recurring experience and a transformative experience shared by almost all the guests. Um, Actually, it made me think I should ask this question. Like, when was the first time that someone trusted you, you know? Um... I started to ask when, uh, who was the first, like, when did you realize that you could influence people? Uh, from Linka's idea, great question. So, yeah. So, maybe it's a question I will ask everyone to close. Um, you know, when did you first receive trust? When did you first receive this empowering trust? Uh, what is your hashtag trust story? Uh, if you want to share with me, I would love to. Just send me a message. Um, or, you know, who are the people who trusted you in times where no one else did or in times where you didn't even trust yourself? I think it's interesting questions to reflect on um, and to, you know, have some thoughts for 2022 that, okay, now our role is uh, as, a, you know, social gardeners is to trust people with good intentions Uh, so hope we can do more of that spread trust, share your trust story uh, with me if you have and see you for upcoming episodes and yeah uh, (laughs) that's it, thank you so much bye bye